welcome to the Redemptive Parenting Podcast, where we aim to encourage and equip parents in wisdom with hope in the gospel for the everyday. Your hosts are me, Kristen, and my husband, Pastor Pete. Hello. All right. So today we are going to be talking about canceled culture, which is huge right now in real life and social media life. I just want to start with a quote that I came across in Scott Saul's new book, A Gentle Answer. He says in the introduction, in our current cultural moment, outrage has become more expected than surprising, more normative than odd, more encouraged than discouraged more rewarded than rejected. Outrage undergirds each day's breaking news. It is part of the air that we breathe, a native language, a sick helping of emotional food and drink to satisfy our hunger for taking offense, shaming, and punishing. Outrage has become something we can't get away from, partly because we don't seem to want to get away from it. Mm. Instead of getting rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, as scripture urges us to do, from Ephesians 4.31, we form entire communities around our irritations and our hatreds. Tribes and echo chambers form, social media feeds grow, political pontifications multiply, book deals prosper, podcasts rant, and churches split. On some level, we are all engaged in the seemingly insatiable theme of us against them. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and what's interesting... The book of Philippians, Paul is writing this letter because there's conflict amongst people in the church. And we've been looking at the main theme of it from chapter 2. And the previous verses, which we have not read, I think is what he's calling us to do. Because when we live for ourselves, this is what it produces. So he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And this is it. He wants us to be unified, but we're not. And because we are consumed with ourselves, because we are living for our own glory rather than the good of others, this is what causes these things. And Paul, uh, man, interestingly enough, describes it. And I just want you to hear this from 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says this, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that's the culture we live in now. (laughs) And this whole canceling culture is that it's becoming a mob mentality now where we're rallying the troops. Whenever there's a conflict, we no longer deal with it individually with the people we have issues with. And that's part of the problem. Because we're not running to deal with it individually. We're running to others to get them on our side. And then it creates more and more outrage. And that's exactly what I want to dive into. Because I think we can see this cancel cultural um, 
mindset real easy on social media when it comes to politics and right. the pandemic. I mean, everybody has a side and we <laughs> <laughs> hold nothing back in putting out our opinions and deleting people from our feeds yeah. if they don't agree with us yeah. or attacking them on social media. This is interesting. Somebody I know on Facebook and this was not a political post, but he asked, if you know who you plan to vote for for president this year, put a particular emoji. And then he said, if you don't know who you plan to vote for for president, then put, you know, whatever the other emoji was. And then after, I mean, really hundreds of people weighed in and a very, very small percentage of the people put the emoji that showed that they really didn't know who they were going to vote for for president. And so his point in doing that was to show, okay, people already have their minds made up, not just about president, but but where they stand on these different issues. And so our rants and our rage put out into the world the way that we're doing it, it's not influencing anyone. Right. It's just serving to create more distance and hatred towards each other. Right. And so this is that's not the way to go about handling any of this. And right. so way to enter into dialogue when it comes to things, big things like that is is through relationship. Mm -hmm. And only when you get to know someone, yeah. then you can speak into these things and and see that even if you have starkly different opinions, that when you know someone as a human being, right. then you can listen to them and you can dialogue about it instead of hating and attacking right. them. And treat them as a human being. That's the other thing. It's like, again, it's an attack on the image of God. When we dismiss people, we're saying, you aren't worth my time. You are worthless. And that's not treating them according to the worth that they have being made in the image of God. When you devalue someone, when you attack their character, when you publicly want to shame them and then destroy them, again, it's an attack on the image of God. And our kids see this. They don't maybe see what we put on social media, but they hear us talking about it and the way we talk about people, the way we demonize and dismiss. We have this macro thing going on in right. our world with these big issues. Wear a mask or don't wear a mask or, you know, <laughs> what's happening? Who are we going to vote for and how we feel about everything political? But I want us to really evaluate how this happens on a on a smaller level yeah. in our everyday lives with people really in our lives. Um, because I just see people when they get offended, they want to retaliate and say, for instance, well, just just start by asking the question, well, why are they reacting so strongly to being offended? You know, there used to be a time when it was like, just be offended. But no, no, no. If I get offended now, I have got to lash back and downgrade you even more. Instead, and again, that's an attack. Because our image is, we're living for self. We think that we are better than others. And then if somebody offends me, I can't handle it because my identity is found in this. And so it's like you're stripping who I am away and rather than who God is uh, for you. And so when we, when we do this, this is the problem. What's driving it? And why do we react so strongly to being offended? Well, and I think we can then look at our reactions to really yes. check our hearts. Right. Because 
why are we reacting so strongly? Well, let's evaluate why we're acting so strongly. Right. But I mean, things that I, I see happening is say someone does something that hurts your feelings or was wrong, like genuinely wrong. Right. Okay, go to that person directly. But instead, what do we do? We gossip and slander that person to all of our neighbors and friends right. to try to make ourselves feel better yeah. about about ourselves. About ourselves. <laughs> I mean, that's and, and we want to just gather the tribes of well, you should be adamantly opposed to this person too. As well, right. So now we're getting other people on our side for our cause, and rather than having an individual conflict, now we have a tribe con- conflict. For instance, just say a teacher does something that you don't agree with or that was not fair to your child, whatever it is. I mean, right or wrong, the teacher either made a, mm-hmm. an honest mistake or truly did something that they shouldn't have. But our tendency is to tell every mom we know what yeah. they did. So then that automatically makes everybody hate that teacher. Right. And then instead of going to that teacher, we go to, to the administrators. Yeah, the administrator <laughs> and to complain instead of working that out, out. person to person. Yes. Same thing with a neighbor. Say a neighbor does something that offends us, but we put it on the next door app and complain <laughs> to everybody instead right. of just going directly to that neighbor. Right. And so again, why is it because we're afraid of conflict? And I think that that's part of it, but I also think it's because our identities are so fragile because they're not found in God. They're found in whatever our cause is or however we perceive ourselves. And if that is threatened, it crushes us. And it crushes us in such a way that then we retaliate where we have to crush others. And that's where when we gather we make it worse when we get other people on our side. Rather than going to restore relationship or reconcile or at least, hey, let's talk about what happened. We don't do that. And that's not living redemptively with one another. And that's not, as a Christian, it doesn't have to be another Christian that you do this with. It could be a non-Christian if you have an issue with to go and talk to them and try because we're supposed to love our neighbor, right? all of our neighbors, no matter if they're Christian or not. And we don't do that now today. And that's the thing. It's like it, simple, basic, relational things we don't do. Well, and I would say too, something I've noticed is how we only form friendships with like-minded people. people. And obviously we all gravitate right. towards like-minded people. So I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, do we consider how we are being dismissive of other people? Yeah. Like so into our own little tribe that we don't have the eyes to see other people or we project on them because they have a different view on something that we could never be friends with them. Mm-hmm. And so we just dismiss them without seeking to try to get to know them. And so, I mean, just something I would challenge us with is to really look outside of our own circle and seek out people that are different than you and get to know them. This is true of our kids too, but our kids are watching us. And so if they see us only friends with people like us and we're only orchestrating play dates or encouraging friendship with the same type of people. I mean, I know as a parent, especially when we have teenagers, that if we see our kids befriend someone with completely different views than we have, then that might make us nervous. But instead, what an opportunity to help our kid learn how to enter into dialogue and to love someone different and to to seek to get to know them. Yeah. And and you know, we see this in the church, right? The church is the most undiverse institution on the planet because it's 
people who look like us, who live like us and act like us. And yeah, in some areas you can't help that. But the church is diverse. The image of God is expressed through all ethnicities, through all languages, through all tribes and people. And all tribes and all languages and all kinds of people are going to be before the throne of God. So (laughs) are we encouraging looking out for other people? Again, displaying Jesus means considering others as more important than yourself. So what about, hey, considering another race is more important than myself? Considering other occupations and social economic statuses as more important than myself. That's where it all plays. Well, it's something you said, too, is we tend to label people. We think, oh, they're a whatever political party or, oh, they're this or they think that. And so they can't possibly be a Christian or I couldn't possibly be friends with them. I mean, we project on people that they're a certain way and cancel them before we ever get to know them. And and there's no redemption in that. There's no grace in that. So that's that's the troubling trend that I see about the cancel culture is that there is no redemption when you when you destroy people and that's your goal rather than being gracious to people rather than having a humble mindset in the way that i'm approaching people and i just wanted to close with what paul says in colossians 3 verses 12 through 15. he says put on then as god's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts kindness humility meekness and patience bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful." So notice, if the peace of Christ is not ruling in my heart, then what is ruling in my heart? And if I am not kind and meek and patient and bearing, again, bearing, that means, oh, it's a load that others are putting on me, and it's hard and it's heavy, but Paul says to bear it. And to cover it with grace. And love. I mean, again, as you said earlier, we get so offended, but instead, like, what if we just let it go? Go. Let it go and forgive if you're offended. And then that's it. As Christ has forgiven you. And that gives us a good entryway into what we'll be talking about next time. We so desperately want to control and we're so consumed with fear that anxiety, yeah. that, that plays into why we want to... <laughs> why, yeah, again, we're trying to be God. We want to control it and we can't. And it freaks us out and it causes us a lot of anxiety. So that's what we'll hit on next time. But um, put in the show notes these different passages. I mean, what a great dinner table discussion to read again these scriptures that Pete has hit on and talk about what does it look like to live the way that we are Called to live. Called to live. Yeah. <laughs> so again, a gospel, gospel gap. gap that we say we believe and yet we are not very kind and loving to others who disagree with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's easy to love the people that, that just like us, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, thank you for joining us. We'll be back with episode four of this Gospel Gap series. Okay. Until next time. Grace and peace. Peace.